Monica, we have another installment in our Americana series, and this is our favorite time of the year. I mean, second to Christmas, I guess. I would agree. So today we are going to take a stroll back in time to the convention that is still around, but its influence is rather null these days, and that is the World's Fair. You're listening to Two Monicas in a Microphone, a finely crafted podcast about nothing serious. Seriously, I'm your host, Monica. And I'm the other Monica. Get ready to talk about anything and everything from vampires to colorblindness, pet peeves to hot dogs and everything in between. So Monica, because I didn't know anything about the World's Fair, I'm dying to know how it originated and came about and the history of it. All right. You know, I like to do the history stuff here. So essentially, the World's Fair is like the Olympics of innovation and culture. The very first one was held in 1851 in London, but it's not usually called the World's Fair. And it wasn't called the World's Fair back then. It was called the great exhibition of the works of industry of all nations. Apparently back then they didn't have focus groups to help them name things. (laughs) But they gave it a very appropriate name. (laughs) They did. Yes, it was very literal and very long. I could imagine taking out each little printing block to make that. Now, that little factoid is according to history.com, and supposedly the idea was Prince Albert's, and guess who Prince Albert is? I mean, well, obviously he's Queen Victoria's husband, and you love nothing more than to tie everything back to the Victorian era. Absolutely. But this time I'm taking my finger and I'm flicking them out of the way because Wiki cites that the first World's Fair was in Bohemia in 1791. And since that's where my great, great grandmother immigrated from, I'm partial to this origin story. And that's the one we're adopting for this episode. Oh, that's super fun. Yeah, it really is. Either way, the World's Fair has always been evolving. Now, these fairs, the World's Fairs, were big deals with a capital B-I-G. They weren't just little science fairs or art exhibitions. They didn't last a few days. They lasted months. And here in the U.S., when we hosted the World's Fair, they built full-on factories, museums, and even monuments. Talk about larger than life and the American spirit. All right. So what do these monuments and phrases look like? Because I have personally lived in several cities that have hosted the World's Fair. Yes. And I'm very excited for you to share those. And I have them down the list a little bit. But first, I am going to start out with Chicago in 1893. And I want us, as we go through these, to think about what America would look like without having had hosted the World's fair. I think you're going to be shocked at how completely different our culture and landscape would actually be. Chicago, 1893, Discovery of America. It was actually 400 years after Christopher Columbus had sailed the ocean blue. So they went with that theme for Chicago. And a lot of things happened. I do want to take a moment to note the enormity of these fairs. Think about it. It's 1893. Monica, how many people do you think visited the Chicago Fair in 1893? I mean, I couldn't even guess, but if it lasted months, that would allow people enough time to travel because travel took longer. You were either going by stagecoach maybe or train. 
at least, at least. And so over the course of the several months that it was hosted, 26 million people visited. No way. Yeah, I was really astonished by that. Six months, 26 million people. That's amazing. Yeah. And now you can see why it has such a cultural influence, right? Because most of America was going to it at the time. How many people were wearing blue jeans? That's what I want to know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. Don't know because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> or else I'd have a quick answer. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about what would the world look like? What would America look like without the Chicago World's Fair of 1893? And I'll tell you first, there will be no Art Institute of Chicago. So without the Chicago Art Institute, where would we get to look at all the treasures of Egypt, which is a current showing there and something I got to see on my 40th birthday. And I loved it. You know what else we wouldn't have? What? No murder hotel. Do you know what the murder hotel is? Mm, I'm going to say it's not a sitcom with Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez. No, that's Murders in the Building, which I just watched last night. Season so two. funny. Amazing. Okay. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're right. It's not that actually. It's our first serial killer in America. His hunting grounds. H. H. Holmes. He built his murder hotel as a response to all the traffic that the World's Fair was bringing to Chicago. Wow. Yeah. And without that, we wouldn't have all of these docuseries and podcasts about serial killers. No, we probably still would. But I was going to list a few on H. H. Holmes and Monica. When I did the Google list, literally came across a list called Top 10 best H.H. Holmes podcast of 2022, which should be an indication to the massive influence of this story and how many people still talk about it. Right, because that's 2022. It's not 2021, 2020, or 2019. all time. <laughs> or all time. Yeah, that's just this yeah. year because people are just now digging into him. Now we'll move on to something a little less horrific or not horrific at all, honestly. And that is the poem that you introduced us to in American music called America the Beautiful. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, so without the Chicago Fair of 1893, we wouldn't have the last stanza of the, of, of the poem, which is, O beautiful for patriot dream that sees beyond the years, thine alabaster city's gleam. And then it goes on to talk a little bit more. But what she is referencing there is actually called the White City, which was built specifically for this fair. And all of the buildings had white stucco and electric lights that illuminated them at night. And she oh, had visited it. That sounds so pretty. I see here that this was the first fair to have a separate section for entertaining, and it was yes. named the Midway Plaisance. You can say it better than me. I mean, is that how it's spelled? <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh. And it's where we get the word Midway to describe the circle that we all walk around at the county fair. When we get to St. Louis, I have another description of that. Yeah. So isn't that pretty cool? So we wouldn't have the Midway, which is really huge in my community because we have the biggest county fair in not just the state, but in the land almost seriously. And so the Midway is like a really cool thing to walk. You know what else we might not have? What? 
Disney World. Wait, what? How does that yeah. make any sense? Right, right. How does it make sense? So this fair inspired Walt Disney. Even though he didn't attend himself, his father was actually a construction worker on the site. And I don't know if it's from tales or from seeing it, pictures mm -hmm. of it, but part of Walt Disney World was modeled after this fair. That's really cool. Okay, yeah. so Paul's, Paul's going to like roll his eyes when I say the next thing. Hershey's chocolate. Does he not like chocolate? Um, he doesn't like American chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So American chocolate is definitely different. And, and he doesn't like fine. milk chocolate. Yeah, and it was done on purpose, the milk chocolate thing on purpose so that poor people could have chocolate. So sure. At that time, Milton Hershey didn't have chocolate. He actually owned the Lancaster Caramel Company, and he wasn't producing any chocolate. It wasn't until the fair where he bought a European exhibitor's chocolate manufacturing equipment that he began working on perfecting the chocolate bar and kisses we all love today. Well, oh my Paul. gosh. Well, yeah, minus Paul. One of the final things that this fair did, and it's so huge, and just to give it a bullet point, I kind of felt like I wasn't doing it justice, but also there's only so much time in a day and on a podcast episode. So what this fair did is it resulted in a movement called City Beautiful. Oh, what is that? So that's basically planning, like planning out your city and making it pretty and planning out your building. So like we take for granted or just think it's part of our culture for no good reason, right? Like having mm -hmm. fountains and shallow pools in front of buildings. I mean, those types of things didn't happen until this fair. And if you think about it, the mall in Washington, D.C. Is, is a really big example of this, mm -hmm. where you're taking a lot of land in between the buildings and beautifying it and you have a shallow pool. Even things like suburbs came out of this movement. So I say if we didn't host the World's Fair in 1893, our landscape, our culture would be incredibly different. Well, so when I think of cities and city planners who tend like Detroit is gridded out like a, a wheel, a spoked wheel, mm -hmm. right? Which is ridiculous. Just make it parallel. Maybe they didn't get in. Lines on the city beautiful movement uh may maybe not <laughs> i i don't know what they were thinking and then seattle is kind of the same way it's, it's all completely well random. speaking of cities that you have lived in i thought that it would be cool for you to take the next three and tell us the monuments that we hold dear here in america that were actually built specifically for the times when we hosted the world's fair Let me start with St. Louis, 1904. So St. Louis hosted from April 30th to December 1st, 1904. It hosted more than 60 countries and 43 of them and 19.7 million people attended. Wow. Now that wasn't quite the same turnout, but still millions upon millions, nearly millions upon million. millions of people. Well, so one of the fascinating things that I find is that when you go to St. Louis today, Forest Park is larger than Central Park in New York. It is spectacular. It houses the art museum, the history museum, the zoo, all around Forest Park. And yeah. you can still see the original pavilion from the World's Fair. 
Yes, and I do think that that's also a reference back to the City Beautiful movement that started mm -hmm. out of the one in 1893 in Chicago. So Monica, you also lived in this next city and I would like to hear how you feel about these monuments or pieces of ingenuity. And if you used them, saw them, what were your experiences? All right, so yes, I did live in Seattle for quite a while. And until I met Paul, I had never been to the Space Needle. And I had also never been on the monorail. Neither of these things would have existed had it not been for Seattle hosting the World's Fair in 1962. And the theme was man in the space age, which I think is kind of appropriate. Yeah, and now I understand why Seattle has this rando Space Needle. All right, so as we progress, through the timeline, one thing I'm noticing is that people, fewer people attend the World's Fair. It's less True. a draw. And yes. maybe that's because globalism and there's just accessibility to some of these ideas and you don't have to go there. So Seattle right. hosted the World's Fair from April 21st, 1962 to October 21st, 1962. So slightly shorter time frame and 10 million. All right. Now I know you didn't live here, but I think you're partial to at least this state in its beauty. Beauty. Can you tell us about one other big monument? I'm putting that in quotes because it's also, you can use it, but that was built for the World's Fair. It's the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. I didn't know that the Golden Gate Bridge was there because of the World's Fair. I didn't either. Um, all of these were brand new to me. I had no idea. So have you been to the Golden Gate Bridge? No. I have. Yay, I win. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I've been to all three of these yeah, no. things. No, I was just kidding. <laughs> I have not been to the Palace of Fine Arts. Okay, so it's time for a little advert break. Today's episode is made possible by my affiliate partnership with the toxin-free beauty brand Crunchy. That's Crunchy with an I. With all the talk these days about parabens and sulfates in our beauty products, it's hard to find a brand you can trust. And let's be honest, it can be annoying to read the back of every label before you buy something. And then you have to wonder, is it actually going to work? Who has the budget or the time for all of that? I definitely don't. That's why I love Crunchy. I don't have to read labels and I don't have to worry about toxins. Ready to make a safe swap in your beauty routine? Check out my site at crunchy.com slash Monica Miller. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of a series, episode, or season, email us at contact at twomonicaspodcast.com. That's with the number two. Alrighty, enough of all that. Now back to the show. Monica, this episode is so much fun because it takes me back to places I've lived and eras where I wish I could have participated in the life. Oh, I agree. I mean, I would love to be a Victorian minus, you know, the bathroom situation. Before we move on, Monica, why don't you share one of the most iconic monuments from across the globe that wouldn't exist without the World's Fair? I know this is Americana episode, but we always like our little bit of international flair. Oh, we do. And one of my favorite monuments the Eiffel Tower from 1889. And it was built as a temporary structure. It was supposed to be dismantled in 1909. It was right? the art. Yeah, like, okay, so they but, were only gonna have it for what, 20 years? Yeah, um, yeah. And it's still here today and I've seen it lit up. I've been on the river watching it. Wow. So fantastic, I've climbed up it. <laughs> I think it's really funny that people originally disliked it so much. <laughs> gigantic black smoke back. Yeah. Can you believe electricity? People, yeah. Can you believe people called the Eiffel Tower or something so hideous? And they even said it was a truly tragic street lamp that would ruin the beauty of Paris. Well, 
you know what, now it is Paris. <laughs> um, but Monica, <laughs> I need us to move into my favorite topic. Oh, we're going to. And what is your favorite topic, Monica? Well, hello, food. Monica, seriously, I think you have no idea what we're about to unload here. I mean, this is kind of why I was so adamant that we do a World's Fair episode during the Americana series. The influence on our food culture is astounding. Oh, and I see we start with Chicago again. What do we get from Chicago? Well, we get Cracker Jack. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Cracker Jacks, the toy in every box, the prize in every box. Um, yeah. So that originated at the Chicago's Fair in 1893, as well as Juicy Fruit Gum. A little bit boring here, but Quaker Oats, Cream of Wheat, and Shredded Wheat. Oh, Shredded Wheat. The bane of my childhood existence. <laughs> <laughs> we also get Aunt Jemima Pancake Mix, and today it's known as Pearl Milling Company. Paps Blue Ribbon. Okay, PBRs, they were huge in Seattle. Okay, and it's not because of the World Fair. I think just everyone there likes to say PBR. Yeah, so if you notice, oh, for sure. If you notice the cans say selected as America's best in 1893. Did you ever notice that? I've never noticed that. Yeah, so that's on the bottom. So that is, there's been some debates. So I found a website that's like, this is not true. And I'm going to tell the story. And I'm also going to tell people to lighten up about the story being true. So what happened was they had a beer contest there. And instead of having first, second, third, fourth, fifth place, like they thought that they were going to have, the judges like went rogue, okay? And they okay. didn't do what they were supposed, or actually that was going rogue, was giving first, second, third, fourth, fifth place. What they were supposed to do is give out no gold or silver medals and only say you're a bronze medalist if you get 80% of the points. Well, Pabst huh. got the highest amount of points so they said, we're the winner. And they just said, we're the winner. And people want to debate <laughs> that they were the winner. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why? First of all, no, this is too much debating the semantics of something. I was Is that like a Mandela effect? Yeah. You just say, you just say we're the winner enough and you are the winner. Yeah. So they were the winner because they had the most points, but they weren't the winner because officially Buffy, you could only get a bronze so anyway i'm like what okay oh, let's just take it down a notch i was like really like yeah. let's just stop okay so that was my little story about paps blue ribbon so monica we are traveling back to one of your hometowns i mean i call it that because you live there but i'm um, back to st louis the birthplace of american food as we know it at least that's what i say so let me give a little preface here some of these tales we're going to tell are simply legends and some of these are verified fact but all of them are definitely iconic. Oh, I'm excited because, wow, some of these things, you can't have America without these things. Right? Corn on the cob is not on here, so... <laughs> what, what, what World's Fair was that showcased at, Monica? Yeah, I know. I could, I could not find that it was showcased at one. That's kind of funny. Okay, Monica, so we are going to start off with one of my favorite summertime foods, and that is waffle cones. I mean, that's insane that it started at the World's Fair in St. Louis all because of an ice cream display that ran out of cups and they had a waffle maker that came to the rescue. Absolutely. Now, ice cream cones, if you will, were a thing, but no one had made them out of waffles yet. And in a cone shape, they were more of the 
bought of like a cup. Sure. Yeah, no, I the waffle cone. Yeah, Genius. I'm like, for sure, for sure. Oh, Monica, you gotta tell us about the next one. You have uh, you of all people have to. Okay, it's hot dogs, y'all. <laughs> it's hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's hot dogs. Some, yeah, they needed something to hold the steamed sausages in, so they came up with the buns and voila. We have hot dogs in 50 states, if you care to look that up from last year's Americana episode. Yep, take it on back to season one. It's a good episode. You know what else became popularized? Okay, so all of this wasn't necessarily invented there, but popularized. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, iced tea. Delicious. Iced tea. We drink it all the time here. Yeah, so I guess that one of the tea makers in the India Pavilion was having a really hard time selling the hot beverage in the summertime. And so he just poured it over ice. And while I'm sure that had been done centuries before, no one had ever heard of it. So it became popular. That's very cool. I wonder if he served it unsweetened or sweetened because the next one is one of my all-time favorite, Dr. Pepper. Yeah, it made its debut there. Now, of course, it wasn't invented there. It was invented down in Waco, Texas, but they brought it up to the St. Louis Fair and people drank it. And then they went back home, these 20 million people, and they said, guess what I had at the World's Fair? It's called Dr. Pepper. Oh my gosh, my kids love this next one. Cotton candy. Do you see that fun fact there? Oh, I do. The fact that it was created by a dentist. (laughs) Right? Oh, that's insane. Because dentists would definitely tell you today to not eat cotton candy. It was actually called fairy floss. I love that. And it was the one thing that was debuted at the fair. No one had known about cotton candy until St. Louis 1904. Oh, that's so fun. And I see here French's mustard, which I have in my refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And legend says it was immediately put on the hot dog. So if you the, too like condiments on your hot dog, then go back to the condiments episode. The only way a hot dog should be eaten with just mustard. Agreed. All right. Puffed rice and peanut butter. What? Peanut yeah, this butter. is when it became popularized, not right. when it was invented. No, yeah. I, I understand. That history Correct. goes way, way back. When you have, what, 19 million people visiting Mm -hmm. a town with all of these different things to try, of course, the word will spread. Yep. And one that I cannot believe, because it is so American, is, and while it wasn't invented in American, it is, it's our food, we claim it now, is the hamburger. The hamburger. Who could go a month without a hamburger? I know, I I sure can't. No way. I had one last night. I had to have it. had to have it. And to close this out for St. Louis, 1904, one of my other favorite foods, the club sandwich. Oh, that's amazing. It's fair food, right? You have to be able to eat it with your hands. Yes. Not sitting down at at a table with a fork and a knife. You're walking around. It's hot. Yeah. I think all of these things make so much sense. I can't wait to get into some of the other world fair foods. Well, Monica, New York hosted in 1964 and is responsible for popularizing Belgian waffles and sangria. I love the merging of the cultures here yet again. I do too. And I was like, sangria? 1964? Whoa, that's a... Yeah, I'm like, had no one ever been to Spain before? (laughs) Okay, so the sangria, that's one thing. I mean, it's not a breakfast food that is everywhere today, right? It's just an alcoholic beverage. 
I am blown away by the fact that it was not until like the 50s that the Belgian waffle was even invented. And it was invented at a World's Fair in Brussels. It didn't get introduced into the U.S. until 62. So the Belgian waffle didn't even exist before 1958, Monica. And then we have Knoxville. And this is, okay, seconds to Dr. Pepper. If you give me a choice, I will have Mm -hmm. to take both because I can't choose between Cherry Coke and Dr. Pepper. I love them both equally so much. Yes, I love Cherry Coke. And it was introduced at Knoxville's Fair in 1982, but they didn't bring it to market fully and become a household name until 1985. And it is one of my all-time favorite drinks. Well, friends, we want to take a little break here and ask for your help in getting the show out to new listeners. One way you can do that is if you love this episode, don't forget to follow us and leave a five-star review. It's super easy. You just click five stars. You don't even have to write anything. And if you want more Two Monicas and a microphone, follow us on Instagram at Two Monicas Podcast. That's with the number two. And don't forget to hit that share button and send this episode to a friend who might enjoy it as much as you do. Now back to the show. All right, Monica, you know something else that happens a lot at the World's Fair? Not just food, not just structures, but ingenuity and firsts. Oh, this is going to be really exciting. It is. And I'm only showcasing Chicago 1893 because this is such an expansive topic. Honestly, I... I already put four hours of research into this particular topic because World's Fair is so vast. It's so cool. It's so fascinating. And you can pick out so many things socially, culturally, industry, all of it. It's it's just, there's so much. So I just went with my favorite Chicago, 1893. (laughs) Cool. What, What do we get in Chicago? Okay. We get for the first time ever. And in fact, built specifically for the World's Fair, the Ferris wheel. And now pretty much every city has one. Right. So this one's a little bit different, but than the ones that we know today. It was actually in response to the Eiffel Tower and it was created to become an American landmark. I mean, that was the entire point of it. And it gets its name from the engineer who was commissioned for the work. His name was George Washington Gale Ferris. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. If you scroll down a little bit there, you can see the picture of it. Do you see how freaking huge that thing is? Massive. It's 250 feet tall. That's astonishing, especially at that time. Oh, definitely. It was powered by a steam engine. It took 20 minutes to go all the way around. And if you look closer at that Monica, at that picture, what I'm about to describe is going to make a little bit more sense. Do you see how they're really, really long? They're like really rectangular. Well, that's because there were 36 cars that could accommodate 60 people each. What? Yes. 40 could sit, but 20 would stand. Could you imagine? Imagine being a person from 1893, never been higher than you could stand on a chair and then going in this thing. My jaw is dropped open. That's amazing. The last Ferris wheel I went on, uh, the limit was six people per car. (laughs) Right? Not 60. (laughs) So unfortunately, it was destroyed by controlled demolition in 1906, but not before serving its time at the St. Louis World's Fair in 1904. Oh, that's super cool. 
And isn't it crazy to think we wouldn't have the Ferris wheel, a summer vacation favorite without the competitive American spirit? I mean, we really wanted to be like, we're better than France. Yeah, but we demolished ours and theirs is still standing. So I don't know who really won there. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't have to move theirs. So there. No, they, well, they, they didn't. Yeah. So I don't know. They were supposed to demolish theirs. But the difference is they have one Eiffel Tower, whereas we have many, many, many Ferris wheels across the land. Yes, we do. So does England. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, they copied us. So electricity. I know you're like, no, Monica, like, no, electricity is super important. It keeps the world running. Yes. And I definitely feel like America holds electricity, its discovery and accessibility in high esteem. After all, in grade school, we all learned that Benjamin Franklin, a founding father, also discovered electricity when flying a kite. And there is, of course, Thomas Edison. I'm sure you've heard of him before. Of course, yeah. I heard of Thomas Edison. <laughs> that was insert sarcasm. At the 1893 World's Fair, electricity wasn't the powerhouse it is today. And yeah, that's a pun. It was at this expo where Nikola Tesla, working with Westinghouse, won the bid to use his alternating current system to power the entire fair, thus introducing most of the world to electrical power. Well, at least as we know, 26 million people to electrical power. Yeah. And they're probably like, wow, I could have light in my kitchen at night on her. Right. But you know what? It took all the way until 1925. In 1925, still 50% of homes in America didn't have electric power. So electricity truly was a sight to see in the 1890s. Another pun intended. Well, Monica, Edison wouldn't allow Tesla to use his light bulbs at the World's Fair. I mean, how stingy can you be? Oh, right. Talk about competitive nature. So other notable firsts at this fair. So this was either the first time something was introduced to the people or made specifically for the fair. So the first commercial movie theater. It was used to show motion pictures in a zoological exhibit. Can you imagine seeing a tiger? You've never seen a tiger. And now. Right. Oh, that that's super cool. So mm-hmm. apparently Parliament of the World's Religions, it was the first formal gathering of representatives of Eastern and Western religions. I think that's yeah. also a great melding of the minds. And the United States Post Office and the United States Mint came out with their first commemorative thing. So like the Post Office came out with its first commemorative stamp set and then the Mint had its first commemorative coins. Oh, to get my hands on some of those. Mm-hmm. And then another notable first, which I think we both love a lot, now it's the first time it was introduced, not invented, was the dishwasher, which actually only businesses and restaurants cared about and people in the home didn't so much. Monica, this episode, you put so much research into this. I'm excited for our friends to listen to it and just share it with their friends. Me too. I loved it. I had a lot of fun and I could have gone so much deeper into these fairs. There really was a lot that happened, including the very first video phone being introduced in 1964. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not Skype. Whoa. Yeah. Not Apple. 1964. And the touchscreen computer in 1982. And that was New York, right? New York hosted 1982. Oh, Knoxville. No, Knoxville. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's cool. Yeah. So I just have to say it. I don't think America would be exactly what we know it as today without hosting the World's Fair. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode and letting us be part of your day, whether that's folding socks, driving to work, or getting in your cardio. We're happy to provide you with entertainment about nothing serious, seriously. Don't forget to subscribe or follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you're loving it, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram at 2MonicasPodcast. That's with the number two. Access extended show notes and more at our website, 2MonicasPodcast.com. Love this episode? Hit that share button and send to a friend who'd like it too. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of Two Monicas in a Microphone. Awesome. That was fun.